Mark chapter 2 tonight. We're going to return to our series, Believe to See. Our theme verse this year is Psalm 27, 13, where David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we're just believing to see the goodness of the Lord. That's about all we can do at this point. There was ever a year that we needed that verse as our theme verse. It's this year. With all that's going on in our nation, with all that we've just gone through in our church, we need to just keep going forward by faith. To be honest with you, it's been difficult not to faint at times. But let's just keep believing to see. Believe it or not, we're only nine weeks away now from anniversary days. Where did the year go? I wish more than anything all of this virus stuff would pass. I wish we could all be back in one place again and pack this place out. I sure miss that. Just, it's just different. I don't know. I don't know how y'all feel down there. But it's just different when the body is assembled. It's just a different spirit. If someone were to ask me, would you recommend for a pastor to allow his church to go to two services, I would say only as a last resort because it divides the body. There's a different spirit between each service. Now, I think we had to do it given what we were seeing numbers-wise, and I believe God has used it through COVID, but I would not recommend anyone to do that unless they absolutely knew that we can't build a building and we're running out of room. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why I went there, but here we are. We're in this position whether we like it or not, and hopefully we're doing the best that we can do. And I can only hope that all of us are walking by faith through these unsettled times that we are now in. We have to keep exercising faith in God. It's not always easy. It hasn't been that easy. But what must keep us pressing on is believing to see God's goodness. We have to keep our eyes upon God with a hopeful expectation of His blessings. And this is what keeps pushing me forward as your pastor. I keep believing the next week's going to be better than the last. I keep thinking this week will turn the corner. And I keep hoping local visitors will once again come back out. I keep trusting that God's going to bless our efforts as we have tried to remain faithful to His Word. And I've got to tell you just how encouraging this morning was. It really was. I was just praying to the Lord about things and I was delighted that we had 155 between both services. That may not mean a whole lot to you, but just two weeks ago we were only in the 20s both services because of the quarantine and obviously since COVID things have been different. But it was such a blessing just to look around and see more people being able to come back to church. And it was encouraging for sure. And just keep staying faithful. And so we just got to keep pressing forward. And hopefully in time, all this COVID stuff will in fact die down. We'll move on. I still feel like we're a year away from that. Just kind of a gut feeling from the vibe out there. But um, whatever the case, we just need to keep pressing forward. And we'll be able to surpass 
where we were at when we, when we entered this year. I mean, to be where we're at right now, given all that has been going on, uh, we're not that far away from where we were. And so that's a testament to your faithfulness. And I thank you for that. Let's go to our text tonight, Mark chapter 2, and let's read verses 1 through 12. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing, of, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We see in verse 1 that Jesus has now returned to Capernaum. Over in chapter 1, Jesus had been there already, and He had entered into the house of Simon and Andrew. And there He had healed Simon's mother-in-law. She was sick of a fever. And as the sun began to set that day, word began to spread so quickly that Jesus was in town, that people from all over the city began to gather at the house, and they were bringing in those who were sick with diverse diseases, those who were possessed by devils, and here's Jesus healing them. Needless to say, Jesus had become well known. And we see in verse 1 of chapter 2 that Jesus has now returned to Capernaum after some days. We see in verse 1 of chapter 2 that He's at a house. We can surmise that because in chapter 1 when He was in Capernaum that He was at Andrew and Simon's house that the house that He's in here at the beginning of chapter 2 is that same house. And we see in verse 1 that it was noised abroad that Jesus was back in town. Word began to spread quickly of Jesus' arrival, and we learn from Luke's account that people were coming from all over Galilee, all over Judea, and all over Jerusalem, and they had heard that Jesus was present and that He had the power of the Lord upon Him to heal. When Jesus showed up, we see in verse 2 that straightway, or just as soon as word spread, 
many were gathered together insomuch that they couldn't receive them all in. Jesus preaches the word unto them. <laughs> it amazes me those who think they don't need preaching. And Jesus was preaching the word. Now there's so much we can glean from this account tonight. There's a lot that we won't get into. It's a wonderful account to stir us to soul winning and I'm sure we'll come back to this passage at some time in the future in that context. But we won't get to it all tonight. Many applications we could make, but let's notice right away that when Jesus shows up, the people show up. And what we need more than anything is we need Jesus to show up. When we gather together, we need our Lord to show up. We need preaching like Jesus was doing, but when the Holy Spirit of God is present, people show up. And listen, it wasn't a matter of whether or not the conditions were safe enough to be there. There were people gathering together and there were all manner of diseases. But they kept arriving all the same. And as I think about our assembly... So I think about this body of believers known as Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I ask myself, <clears throat> is Jesus showing up in this house? Is the Spirit of God in this place enough to draw the people in? Jesus didn't set up a tent. Jesus didn't set up a sign. He didn't take out an advertisement in the paper. But the people came. And I can tell you that if Jesus was here in the manner that we find Him in our text, then the question doesn't even have to be asked whether or not He's here. You understand what I'm saying? Because when Jesus shows up, you don't leave church going, I wonder if I met with God. You know that you've met with God. So let's make this personal. The Bible says that the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. There is nothing magical about this building when it's empty. It is just a collection of building materials put together in a manner that allows us to facilitate together. When this place is empty, there is nothing special about it. And we know that God dwells in His people. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Understanding that, it, it stands to reason that if God is not filling this place with His presence, when we are assembled together, then we are not coming in here full of the Spirit of God. We find in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, that when they were all with one accord in one place, then the presence of God showed up in an undeniable way. In Acts chapter 4, they were assembled together, and when they had prayed, then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you that part of our problem is not everyone who is able to assemble is assembling together. And as a result, the body becomes divided. 
It's not of one accord. When someone's not here when they ought to be here, there could be a hand missing. It could be a foot missing. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Live stream does not satisfy assembling together for those who are able. It is a wonderful tool in our day. I was so resistant to it. I'm very thankful now that we have done it. It's great for those at higher risk. It's great for those who are sick and can't be here. It's great for those who are out of town. They can catch up and see what's going on. It's great for those who are shut in for various reasons. But would you agree, it's just not the same as assembling together in one place. And listen, I'm not being ugly tonight. I hope you know that. But to those of you who are here tonight in your rightful place, we cannot wait for all to come back who should be here before we get back to where we need to be heading. And again, I'm not, I'm not being ugly. It's evident now after six months that there are going to be those who will stay home throughout this entire pandemic because of fear. And if we're going to get a hold of God, then it's going to be from this group right here. I thank God for you. And understand, I'm not against any who are living in fear. I think it's great that we have people from all spectrums of their walk with God. To me, that's a healthy church. It's good to have those that are in fear. It's good to have those of great faith. And I'm I'm not against that. And I want to reiterate, there are some that do not need to be here right now. Some have very serious risk factors. There's wisdom in laying low right now. They keep showing up. And I have to hammer this point because I'll get accused of suggesting that all need to be here. And I'm not saying that. I don't expect those who are fighting cancer to be here and have COVID be an additional thing that they now have to deal with. I don't expect our elderly that are 65 years and older and have these underlying health conditions that have fought cancer to be here. I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of old timers I respect, and I understand why they're not here. They are precious senior saints. And there's just health issues. And that's understandable. And I stand with them and I reach out to them and I tell them, just keep staying healthy. Do what you can do. Let's, let's trust God, but be prudent. I understand and I stand with you. That's, that's a fact. They have been remarkably faithful to our live stream. I know the Luns are watching right now. They have been remarkably faithful. That's who live stream is designed for. Those who cannot be here right now. But it was never intended for those who know they can be here, but choose not to be. Is everybody hearing me? I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression through my messages. But I will not shy away from telling you this. Those of you who are in your 20s, your 30s, and your 40s, 
if you have no underlying health conditions, you ought to be here. We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Not to mention our old timers have already paid the price. They went before us. I'm not saying God is done with them. He most certainly is not. But they gave their strength to this church. They risked being arrested back there in the early 80s when we had a school just starting. They gave of their fortune to see our church go forward. They've labored already. And now what are we going to do who are coming after them and call this church our home? Are we going to drop the ball? Or are we going to stand in our day of testing? They had their day of testing. They had a lot of them. This is the day of testing that God has given to our generation. Are we going to learn to put our backs to the work as that generation did before us? Did you know most revivals begin with when the young people get a burden? Here's how it normally happens if you'll study revivals. There's normally some senior saints who are just burdened about that generation that's coming up and they get to praying. And as soon as the young people start to get a burden, something magical happens. And I would say to our teens, to my knowledge, most of you are healthy. What are you doing for God? Is it still just your parents' religion? Young adults, those that would classify Brother Chavez's class, because some of you are going to try to say you're young adults and you're not. (laughs) Young adults, what are you doing for God? We have many that are serving. I mean, it's just remarkable, really. And we have a good group of teens right now. To you middle-agers, I don't know what all that classifies, but what are you doing for God? And I wonder if there's any teens and any young adults in our church that would get so desirous for the presence of God to be among us that you would set aside some time to gather together and pray. Not gather together and entertain one another. Not to be entertained, but to get a hold of God. Cry out for God to move among us. Is Jesus in this house right now? And I ask with all seriousness, when is the last time you've left out of here knowing you've met with God? Say, well, preacher, that's why you're here. (laughs) I do all that I can, but no. When's the last time you've left this building knowing you've been with God? where we know without a doubt the Lord has showed up. There's been a couple services where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God showed up. And if we're going to get to where we need to be, then we're going to have to come in here so full of God that God has no choice but to show up. Now what is it going to take? It's going to take us going to great lengths. That's what we find in our text. We see there are four men here and they're carrying a man who is sick of the palsy, which means he's paralyzed. 
He cannot walk, but He has to be carried any time He needs to get around. And we can see in verse 4 that they could not get this paralyzed man before Jesus because the crowd was too large. And my mind thinks about the stories I've read where the Spirit of God would so show up that the place would be so packed that the windows would have to be opened in order for the overflow people to be able to hear the message. That's amazing. The crowd was too large. Everyone was pressing to get in. And I wish I could have seen this take place. Imagine tonight if we were sitting here and all of a sudden the roof began to make this strange noise. Pieces begin to fall down and we notice a hole open up. And we look up and there's about four faces looking down upon us. And then this body begins to be lowered down. (laughs) What a sight that would be. Will we ever see people going to great lengths to be here? Could it be we don't see it like we should because the presence of God is not here in His maximum capacity? Could it be the power of God is not here enough? Are you hearing me tonight? I'm giving you my heart. So they lower this man down who cannot walk, and the phrase which has captured my thought is what the beginning of verse 5 says. When Jesus saw their faith. Allow that to sink in, please. How do you see faith? Jesus saw it. And how about you? My brothers and sisters in Christ, can Jesus see your faith tonight? Imagine Jesus looking down upon Liberty Baptist Tabernacle tonight and saying, I see your faith. I believe it would cause our Lord to do great things. And I have to be honest and tell you, I don't see the Lord doing great things among us. I feel like we're more like the town of Nazareth, who Jesus was able to heal some sick folk, but He wasn't able to do great works there because of their lack of faith. He laid His hands on a few and He healed them, but He didn't do the great works that we find in other cities. And and sure, we see some good works. We see God among us working, and I thank God for all of those times. But it's my belief that we are not seeing God do great and mighty things. It could be we're not seeing this because God is not seeing our faith. I hope you don't think I'm rebuking. I'm not. But I'm kind of getting that vibe from some of your faces. It's not a rebuke tonight. Somebody would say, well, preacher, you just don't understand what's going on in this hour. No, I believe I know exactly what's going on, and it's making those with little faith get irked. We are weak. And I tell you what we need to do tonight is we need to be honest about our situation, and we need to cry out to God to come down and move among us. We need God to see our faith. And we need to go to great lengths, even in the midst of danger. We need those who are like Judas and Silas, 
who in Acts chapter 15, the Bible says that they were men who have hazarded their life for the cause of Christ. Now, notice what happens with this sick man who has the palsy. These four, they tear the root. How'd you like to be the homeowner? Man, I'd be calling up Jared Ostrom the next day. Brother, we had such a move of God. And the roof is torn open. Over in Luke it says they removed the tiling. They tear up this roof. They let this man down who cannot walk. Now, are you getting this here? Here's a man that can't walk. He's got the palsy. And, and they lower him down. And when he gets before Jesus... Jesus looks at him and he says this, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. <laughs> Wait just a minute. That's not why we brought this man here. Look, we went to these great lengths because we wanted to get this man before you so he could get up and walk. But Jesus doesn't address that. He looks at this paralytic and he says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And just, it just stirs me. Because here's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to deal with the main thing. And see, often we look at Christ, we look at God, we look at the things of God, and we think, boy, if we can just get in on that, our life's going to be blessed. It's going to be just a little bit easier. We can get around a little bit better. Life's going to be a little bit better. Well, no, 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 that's not what God wants to do. You may be blessed in that way. You may not. There's Christians in wheelchairs. I think of Pastor Clem over in Gillette. I'm not sure exactly what his condition was. Might have been something like the palsy. I don't know. And so here's this guy. He's, he's lowered down. They've, they went to these great links and they get him before Jesus and Jesus just looks at him and says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's not why they were seeking after Christ. They wanted this man healed of his physical ailment. Well, the religious crowd, they take serious issue with Jesus in this account, and they inwardly accuse Jesus of blasphemies. And they say in their heart, who can forgive sins but God only? It's amazing how right they were, but how they still missed it. That that was God in the flesh. They missed the Messiah. Jesus perceived in His Spirit what they were thinking, and He asked them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? Now just think about that for a minute. Which one is easier to say? If you're in that position, what's easier for you to say? I'll tell you what's easier for you to say. It's easier for you to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Nobody can observe that. Isn't that right? But if some dude comes down through the roof tonight and I say, arise and walk, and by the end of the sermon, he's still lying there, you're going to know I'm a fraud. It's easier just to say, thy sins be forgiven thee. But Jesus goes on to say in verses 10 and 11, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, and then we're told here he turns his attention to the sick of the palsy and he says, Arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. And so Jesus here is removing all doubt that he can in fact 
forgive sin because He shows them that He can do that which proves His power to all who are present by telling this man, arise and walk. Whoa, maybe this guy does have the power to forgive sins. And they're all amazed at Jesus' power. In verse 12, this man, he gets up and he walks. They glorified God. Now I think as children of God tonight, who have had their sins forgiven, we would recognize that while it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven, the greatest miracle here is the fact that his sins have been forgiven. You understand that? Because that was his greatest need. And I can say from this that before we are going to experience an outward working of God's great power in our midst, we are first going to have to have God's great power working in us inwardly. And what God wants to do first, He wants to deal with our sins. They always say revival begins in the heart. But here's the catch. Before Jesus deals with His greatest need, He first had to see His faith. Do we have any right to expect or demand from God great and mighty things among us if He never sees our faith? And see, that's, that's how we get. And listen, our theme is believed to see, but we get into this idea that we are just waiting on God to do something marvelous, do something great, and then we'll get a hold of it. And then we'll see how good God is. And then we'll know God is among us. But what we need to learn to do is we just got to get alone with God and we got to get filled with the Spirit of God. And we have to just say, I'm going to keep pressing on and I'm going to keep doing for God and I'm going to keep believing to see and I'm just going to keep trusting the Lord. Should we expect His gracious outpouring among us if we never have our sins dealt with? If we keep going on in sin and living in sin and hiding sin, and then come in here and say, God, we're waiting on you to do something great. And God's saying, you're not even letting me deal with the main thing. Now, we've been blessed to be able to keep the doors of this building open through this pandemic without government harassment, without government interference. We can't say that across our nation tonight. And again, I just want to go on record, thank God we're in South Dakota. Thank God for our governor. She is a rock star out there. No kidding, I get down to Phoenix, the first thing the guy says to me, man, y'all got a good governor up there, don't you? I said, no. I believe in some respects, many of us have done what we know to do. And I have tried to show you my faith. Not that I'm perfect. Listen, I got sick, and I know, I know how it felt to be miserable for about 10 days. I can only hope that God is taking note of our faith. And that in time, He is going to greatly bless. Because I'm believing to see. And I really hope that what we are doing, and what we're trying to do, will make God notice. That God would say to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, I see your faith. We need to get burdened about our church. 
need to get burdened about lost souls in Rapid City and the surrounding areas. We need to get creative. We need to go to great lengths. I don't know what that means. I'm not smart enough. I don't understand technology. But we've got to go to great lengths. Who knows how long this will continue on. Let's allow God to deal with sin in our life. And then let's come in here so full of the Spirit of God that we can stand in awe of what God can do when the fullness of His presence is among us. You say, what does that look like? I don't really know, but I know in the Old Testament when God showed up and filled the place, they couldn't do anything but watch. I want to say again what a privilege it is to pastor such faithful people. We are so blessed here. So many churches are struggling. And y'all have just been faithful. I think we're close to where it's time to kick it up a notch. I'm not saying we're there yet, but I think we're close. God hasn't changed. And I want you to know tonight that His eyes still move to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards Him. I want to be that heart. I want to be that people. I want to show God our faith. You understand how, how important that is? God saw their faith and He did this amazing miracle and everybody glorified God. They were just earlier blaspheming. Let's be doers of the Word tonight. Not just hearers only. Would you pray with me please?